Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Anti Podcast. I am Chris Ravel, and today we have our very first podcast trying to reach out and have these kind of conversations that deal with the understanding of success or how we make it as artists, how we keep going. And today I have a painter who I would call a gearhead, though I'm not sure if you would identify with that, but a longtime friend and actually my first uh, real mentor in undergrad, uh, Michael Brown. So thanks, Mike, for being willing to do this and for showing up. Well, Chris, thank you very much for, for inviting me. I'm, I'm excited to, you know, to do this with you, um, you know, and I'm really grateful that, that you consider me for, you know, this, is, this adventure. Oh, I think you're going to be great on the first one. Uh, you're somebody who really had an impact on my life. And I know that this one's a bit raw, but hopefully people will kind of look back at this first episode, almost like they look back at the first season of The Simpsons and where everything just kind of looks and sounds wrong, but feels familiar. Right. So Right. Like when, when it was the Tracy Allman show. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's there's going to be some mistakes and some rawness of this. And, uh, you know, the idea was to start off in the studio. But, I, you know, with COVID and everything that's happening, you know, you you uh, take what you get. That's, right. that's what's Absolutely. important. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, once again, Chris, thanks. I'm really excited about it. So, Mike, it's been just a weird year. What is your work ethic like these days? What are you currently working on? Where are you working? Well, you know, it, it's interesting um, how how the pandemic has affected me. Um, prior prior to it, you know, I've been working at a at a job for for 20 years and. Um, uh, left that job or it left me <laughs> and then the pandemic hit and you know if in terms of my studio practice it's probably been the best thing that's happened to me in a long time um, you know I grew up in the middle of absolutely nowhere in upstate New York where there was nothing to do and no, nobody to just spend any time with and so you know even from an early age like you found things to do to keep yourself occupied and you know, so the pandemic was like, well, you can't go out and do anything and you can't go visit people. I I have a shop slash studio that I built a few years ago. And it's like, you know, I might as well take advantage of my my time up here. And, you know, I'd been I'd been messing around with cars for a while and it was getting kind of burnt out on that and figured, you know, I'm going to start painting again. And initially, Initially, I started doing this. I was I was practicing uh, lettering, sign painting, which, you know, from my very first experience with another artist when I was a kid was a sign painter. But I didn't feel like I was making a lot of progress because all I could do is watch YouTube videos and then practice. And, you know, I think what I what I was doing more than anything was was establishing bad habits and then reinforcing those bad habits. So I was doing that for a while. And then, you know, the pandemic kept on going. I was starting to get a little bored with what I was doing. And so then I started like using some materials that I had laying around the shop, like spray paint and cardboard. And that was the beginning of, for me, a really interesting investigation, right? Um, like all of a sudden my ideas were starting to open up and it, what started it off was like, you know, here we are, it's like the Trump era, the U.S. is like, God knows what the hell is going on in the world, right? It's like, the, the, like what, what I was brought up to believe and what was actually happening were two different things. And then, you know, you look at the way that people are interacting. Like, I know with the people I grew up with and or my family, you know, we are on opposite ends of the political spectrum when, you know, 20 and 30 years ago, we're in the same place. Like, how the hell did that happen? And so it was really interesting listening to the conversations or the reasons why people believed what they believed. And, and it just kind of dawned on me. It's like, how is it that we, we understand what we think we understand, right? Because, yeah. you know, especially in the political environment that we're in, it's like, you know, all people like are- Like, how do we come to these conclusions and how do we hold on to them? You know. Yeah. And, and yeah. why is it so important to hang on to that? You know, it's like, ultimately, you know, we should do whatever we can to help one another. 
you know, everybody comes together. I mean, like, look at 9-11. Everybody comes together to help everybody else out, right? It's like, why aren't we doing that now? And so that was like the beginning point, right? How do we understand what we think we understand? And so I, I allowed myself to start to work with my materials in new ways, with materials I'd never worked with in the way that I was. And like, I, I, it's funny out of this, um, you know, in, in regards to this podcast too, right? Um, I was never given any kind of an education in business. And, you know, I think that's the greatest fault of, of all time when it comes to like art and artists, you know, yeah. the great, the great fault is like artists don't have any business sense. They can make stuff. That's great. But it's like uh, how to get it out there, what to do with it. Does anybody yeah, want this? Yeah, right. That's the pinch point, right? It's like, <laughs> who wants any of the shit that you make all day long? It's like, go yeah. back into your hovel and, and keep making stuff. Well, what can you do if you you spend zero money to make the the work? And then how do you create uh, create something for the most impact, which in turn could be the most financially successful, right? And so... I started working with cardboard and spray paint because I had it and it was, it was free. So I was like, what can I do with that? And it was really fascinating because, you know, one, I started making work that scared me in the sense that it made me feel vulnerable. And, mm. and that I know, I know that that place is a really important place for an artist. When you're making vulnerable work, that's the work that will connect with people because they can see it from their perspective of vulnerability. Do you right? think that that was any, coming any, out of kind of a moment of kind of vulnerability in your own life and coming in? I, no, I don't think so. I, I don't no? Think okay. I, I, no, I, like I wasn't doing that intentionally, but that was yeah. the outcome of it because, and one of the things that's been nice about, about, you know, not teaching anymore and not really being in, like I've, I've always kind of shied away from the art world because I'm just not into the scene. But what's been interesting about it is that it's allowed me to work in a vacuum. And like I could, I could really kind of work on developing these ideas and these visuals. And these visuals, you know, they resonate with me. So like I know when I'm looking at, at artwork, I look at it. In, from two different perspectives. I look at it from the perspective of an artist, obviously, but I look at it from the perspective of just who I am as a person. And I know that the, the work that, uh, that, you know, that I appreciate more is the work that, that hits me. It gives me the feels, right? It's like, you know, I understand concept and all that shit, but, and sometimes it's like, oh, that's great. But like, I want something that touches me in this kind of weird emotional place. And these paintings that I were, that I've been making were doing that for me. It's like, Holy shit. So, you know, I'm working on cardboard, but it looks like metal. And then the images, although I'm using spray paint and acrylics, a little bit of acrylic, these look like old photographs that have been manipulated. And What's fascinating for me about it is like none of it is real. None of it is true. What appears to be true is absolutely false. It appears to be metal. It's cardboard. It appears to be a photograph. It's completely fabricated. And it's like this is really, really interesting for me because maybe people will experience this idea. And like once they realize what the materials are and that it isn't a real place, will they start to reevaluate their understanding of what they're looking at. Right? They're really kind of challenging those conclusions and what we hold on yeah. to and kind of going yeah, back yeah, yeah. to that original set of uh, thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like maybe, maybe it's a process that they might, might apply to other aspects of what they think about of the world that they exist in. Right. Mm -hmm. So there was that. And then, you know, I was doing that for a little while, but as soon as like, and I, it's I guess it's 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 an issue that I have, but I get bored really easy and and like I was doing it, but it started to get kind of formulaic. And then I started putting frames on them and I was making these steel frames. So it gave me the chance to start fabricating again, which I love to do. And then I was making these steel frames and sometimes they came across like cages 
almost like, you know, like the fortress that the Mona Lisa is in, in order for you to view it. It's like, you know, it's completely impenetrable, right? Even though you can't see it, it's there. And, you know, I made these frames out of like this one frame. It's like one inch square steel stock and it's small. Like the painting is only a five by seven inch painting, but it's like, you can see it, but you can't access it based on the frame. But then I made these other frames where it's almost like it created a boundary to keep everything outside of the space that the painting exists in. And the painting just kind of floats in the middle of the space with like five inches of space around it. And these, these things are dimensional. It's like, okay, there's something really happening here. But then after a while, it's like I had starting to become a little formulaic. I got to do something else. And so I went back to painting, 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 like, like what I consider real painting. And could you try I, to define that a bit better for everyone? Yeah. 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 So like real painting, like, you know, um, like all the formal things that we learn about in art school using traditional materials like oil paint and acrylic paint. Um, and not cardboard. No, I was working on my <laughs> panel. Yeah, working yeah, yeah. on panel, working on canvas, working with oils, working with acrylics. Um, but it's like, how can I continue working with this idea? And all of a sudden, like, like I want, I started making these paintings that refer to things that we're familiar with. Yeah, they, and they're based in things that we're familiar with. But then they fall apart. Like, uh, it's like, oh, this is a flower. Wait a second. What is that? Or it, it looks kind of like an animal. Wait a minute. What is that? It's beautiful. Eh, it's, but it's kind of grotesque. Like, all of a sudden, there's all these kind of simu simultaneous oppositions that are happening. And, it, you know, I got, I was getting pretty excited about that and, you know, building it up and, you know, going back and forth between acrylics and oils because, you know, I hate acrylics. I, I can tell you that I, I've been working with them for like shit the last 15, 16 years. I hate them, but I keep on working with them. Don't ask me why I'm an idiot. Um, but well, then, you know, then you got them. So. Yeah. You know, <laughs> initially I was like, you know what? I'm going to work with these materials. I've got them. I'm going to work until I don't have any more of these materials left. And then I'd run out of a color. Like, Oh crap. I got to go get that color again. And then I just keep re restocking the materials. Like an idiot. <laughs> But then yeah. what was interesting is that I got my oils back out and I haven't really, really messed around with oils that much unless I, you know, like I was working with students. So like, Hey, move over. Let me show you how this works. So I got my oils back out and dude, Oh my God, like oils are, they're just like, it's like, they're like the one that got away, you know, the way that the, the opacity and the way that you can move them and stuff. And, oh yeah. Totally manipulable. And oh, you know, they're so great. But what was interesting about it in the beginning is like, I was trying to paint with oils like I would paint with acrylics. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this is so weird. So like the first two weeks, I'm just like, I was like, I was, I was almost like I was trying to paint with my feet. And then it's like, I was starting to get back into what they could do and what they could allow me to do. And, and then I started recognizing within my paintings that they always had this kind of singular element kind of like almost like I was always making a portrait of something I'm like well, what the hell am I doing it's like I gotta I gotta break that up and is that so kind then, of a compositional thing or just kind of uh just the way that you work with the subject I matter th I think it I think it you know it, it, I guess it is a compositional thing but I think it, more insidiously it was habitual mm -hmm. like it was just a like a habit that that I've always had but I'd never investigated I never looked at it like as it, it being an issue. I'm like, wait a second, why am I doing it this way? Because if something formulaic, if I'm letting that go, then it's like, this is the biggest formula I've maintained for years and years and years. So I started to investigate that more. And what's been interesting about all this, Chris, is that like, I've, I've been really looking and reevaluating my relationship to the process of painting, how I look at painting, how I how I think about process, how I think about my materials, like, like everything, everything is up for grabs. And so then like, I started really getting into working with acrylics and oils and, you know, the, the acrylics afford me, uh, a, like the way that I use color in, in ways that I don't do with oils, like with oils, it allows me a lot more finesse and nuance and mm -hmm. subtlety. Whereas yeah. with acrylics, it's not like that. Yeah. 
And so it's like, it gave me two new ways to kind of go at this, this same question of like how we understand what we think we understand. And, you know, it's been, it's been really, really interesting because like, I feel like I've been making this, this progress. And now it's like, now it's, it's taking on the appearance of kind of like a portrait, but kind of like a landscape, but kind of like an event, like, all of these different things are happening simultaneously. You can't really put your finger on it, but it feels like all of these things. And then, then it's like, all right, well, how far can I go into these paintings? And it was, it was a, I guess it was about a month and a half, two months ago. It's the first time in my life I've ever come to realize the truth in this kind of cliche statement that, you know, a painting is never finished. And I've always thought that was such a bullshit, bullshit thing, right? But it's like a painting's finished when you're done with it. Like, you know when it's done. And, you know, like to say that it isn't just because Monet would paint on his lilies in the museum, it's like, what a bunch of shit. That's just to, you know, entertain the people that don't know anything about, about art. But I started, I decided like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start loading up my paintings and my imagery. And like, how far can I take it? And, you know, I've never spent so much time on a single painting, you know, and I would read about um, like Mark Greenwald, right? This, this guy up in Albany, New York, who had spent a year on a painting. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, that's insane, man. Like I would, I would put a gun in my mouth if I had to do that because like, I just couldn't hold my interest. Like having the space and the time because of the pandemic to develop this stuff has been, has been amazing to the point now, like now that the pandemic's starting to lift and people are starting to go back to work and all that. It's like, I was just having this conversation last night with, with our friend, Francisco. I was like, dude, only I like, I really wish that I had a, a patron right now so I could just pretend like the pandemic is still going on. So I could just stay in the studio and make work in my vacuum. Like, I freaking love it. It's great. You know, and it, like I said, like, I was, I was kind of raised to, to think this way and feel this way. I just happened to be in the middle of the city, but so what? Who cares? You know? Yeah, so do you think that with everything that's happening right now, given, you know, your, your kind of almost homecoming with the pandemic and that kind of like giving you that space to work and, and you knowing what to do with that space and then everything kind of, flipping on its head and, and getting you to question all these things that you thought about painting and, and how that relates to kind of political and of course, social with the loss of that, with the pandemic, do you think that um, there is, you know, some, some aspect that could become routine if you did stay in that vacuum? Um, you know, I, that's a good question. I don't think so. And the reason why is still like, you know, I my the last painting that I finished, I I stopped painting for like a week and a half because I didn't know what to do next because like I felt like I was starting to figure something out and once I, like I was like how do I go beyond what I just did because that's the furthest I've ever been. It's like, you know, it's like you leave 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 the house when you're a kid for the first time you go off wandering around the neighborhood by yourself and you've gone the farthest you've gone like you know how far is too far and mm-hmm. it took me a minute but you know now I've, i started a new painting and it's like this is so like like i'm i i'm struggling with it because it's so different than any painting i've ever made in my whole life it's like okay now how how do i solve this thing like how do i figure it out right and so the journey has begun again um so i'm not really worried about that too much and and i think it's i should be clear too it's like none of this work is really informed by anything that's going on around us like in any kind of literal way like you know like politics and all that like i don't give a shit about that stuff it's irrelevant to me but what i do think is important is like how how these events around us force us to act and interact like what is its effect on us um and not on the surface but like in a in a in a more of a core way or conceptual way 
how is it affecting us? And that's, that's the root, uh, which I, I, you know, like that gives me the fodder to like start to develop these paintings. In this day and age where, you know, visual imagery, we, I mean, we're, we're inundated with it. Right. And we spend like, like a fraction of a second looking at anything. And here we are making like, as a painter, making a static image, like, like, how the fuck do you create something to compete in the world that, that we exist in today when you're making static images? But like, I feel like these things are starting to do it, right? Because there is this, you know, it alludes to familiarity, but it's not. And then, you know, the colors, <laughs> the colors, like, especially with these acrylic paintings, dude, it's like Pierre Bonard had sex with a bag of Skittles. I mean, it's just like, these these colors are they're 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 I, I struggle with them myself. It was like there's a lot of color. Um and it's really rich and really vibrant, but I mean it's like eye candy, right? And then there's so much to look at. Like I feel like these are engaging in all the ways that we engage with the world that we've created for ourselves today, right? And it's it's weird. Like like it's almost like the paintings. And the process are telling me what to do. And I have to go along with it. Like, I, I don't like these colors. Like, it's not the way I would work. But I'm working this way. So I guess it is the way I'd work. Right? And it's like, all I right. I find it interesting well, that you're not liking the colors just because I always have found you to have this kind of uh, extreme or preference for the extreme as far as, like, you know, these crazy, like, neon, orange, green, you know, level. Well, it's funny because it depends on what it is. But in painting, like put it on a car, you're okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like if it's on a car or something like that. Yeah, of course. Because like, that's another thing, right? The the idea of like modifying a car and all that. I mean, really, it's like, you know, Peacock putting its tail out. It's like, hey, look at me, you know, but don't look at me, but look at me. I want you to notice that I'm here, right? Mm -hmm. But with painting, you know, and and the paintings that, that move me are the one, the quiet paintings, like the paintings that are quiet, that don't scream at you, that, you know, those to me, I think, have a longevity to them that I really, really, really appreciate. And and part of the reason why I've started doing like the studio visits and stuff like that with other artists now, I really have no freaking clue if any of any of the shit is any good or not. Because like any of the any of the things that in the past have been what guided what's good and what's bad or you know what is what is you know well, who you yeah know, who are we to say what's good or not I, yeah know, like, i don't know i mean it's like it seems like in the art world you know is driven by commodity and fad and fashion and bullshit like that right and like i don't and plus two like it, it's interesting like i'm at this age now in my life where you know i remember having conversations with tom my, my old office mate and colleague right and you know He's he's considerably older than I, and we'd have these conversations. Where, like he he was concerned about whether, like his ideas or what he talked about was relevant anymore to the student body he's working with, and you know, in some ways he wasn't relevant, and like the, his references were. Like they were beyond the students. And I, re- I mean, I remember experiencing that myself. I remember bringing up David Hasselhoff in class and people looked at me like, who's that? And like, are you kidding me? It's like, oh my God. It's like, there's that much difference between us. It's like, holy shit. So, you know, so here I am working David in this. Oh, Sorry, shut I up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> shut up. You're an idiot. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so now like I'm in this vacuum, like, oh man, it's like, I don't even know if, if, this language that I'm working with is relevant anymore either. Like, like, I don't know what my relationship is to the thing that has always been a part of my life. You well, know, I think that's always interesting weird. as well, too. If we think about the, the careers of people and, you know, when they become, you know, in the conversation, if you will, uh, you know, it's, it's always interesting to me to, of course, see anybody who's so young get into these kind of shows or, biennials or anything like that, where we start including them into these larger conversations. But then also there's, you know, for the most part, we just see people coming who have been making work forever. And all of a sudden people are realizing the, 
the level which they're working at the contributions to that conversation but they're right. you know they're in their 60s you know they're pushing 70 or, or you know and, and it's like they've been doing this for so long i just i find that so interesting as far as like how does that happen when does it happen you know and that nobody has the same story right well you know and ultimately right i i mean you you could probably identify um you know, the right galleries and or, um, you know, curators or other artists to kind of align yourself with or the right universities to go to. Like, you know, you can you can pinpoint um, how some people have been able to go from point A to point B, point B being, you know, success. Right. But I, I mean, ultimately, I don't know if we have any control of it. You know, it may be that you're you're especially hot. And so people really like your work because you're attractive. I mean, like Instagram's a great example. Like how many like cute girls do you see posing with their panties? Like who gives a shit about what you look like? However, that's what what people are doing to evaluate the panties. Like, oh, wow, they're attractive. I really like their panties. Like that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Like I remember um, Alexis uh, Rockman, right? So. I remember there was he like he was he was kind of getting really big like back in the like mid to late nineties, right? And he, yeah. he makes great paintings. And I remember there was an article in Vanity Fair about him, and they started the article about how attractive he was. Now, granted, it was Vanity Fair, <laughs> right? But it was like this is the the most bizarre thing I've ever read. It's like how the hell does that have any relation to anything to do with his work? It's like, oh, so, and then you're reading about it, right? There's not even a picture of the dude. So you're reading about how hot this guy is. And then it's like, oh yeah, his ideas are good too. It's like, this is bullshit. Like, And like, was he still totally making like, paintings like that that were still a little bit like kind of post-apocalyptic, kind of uncomfortable or, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to think about like uh, what that conversation would have been uh, like jumping from yeah i mean it kind of was right back at the time when he was making his paintings he was doing it was almost like out of science books where um mm -hmm. or or science history books where you're looking at the passage of time from like dinosaur age to humankind but they would mm -hmm. put it all together in one image but he would include like you know the destruction of the earth by you know man-made chemicals and oil spills and shit like that but all his paintings were exquisite you know like he could paint a raspberry and it looked like a freaking jewel. I mean, it, they were they were just gorgeous, right? But it's like, so what? The guy is hot. Like, I don't understand why it's relevant to anything, right? But that becomes a part of the way that we evaluate what we're looking at, whether we like it or not. It's like, like fucking hey, man. I like, I don't I don't get it. I have no idea. I have no idea, right? I have no idea so, whether how how attractive or ugly I am is going to affect you know how attractive or ugly my paintings are. Right? I think you're it's a beautiful like, man. I, I just want to say that. I know that nobody yeah. can see you right now, but uh, yeah, I can I can stare longly into your eyes. Um, right. So what so what is your definition of success as an artist at this point, and has that kind of changed over time for you? Um, dude, yeah, I, you know, when I was a kid, when I was in undergrad school, success to me was being in the history books, right? Being a part of the conversation, being recognized that you were a part of the conversation. And, you know, that's so obviously that means uh, getting into getting into museums, right? These these cultural institutions that have identified how, you know, the efforts of certain individuals that have existed at periods of time have been, you know, swayers of, of ideas and thought and action, right? And I guess to a certain extent, I feel the same way. But the path to get there is so elusive. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what success is as an artist. I mean, I there there's financial success but you know you can look at there like how many millions of shitty artists that are out there making gobs and gobs of money it's like i don't want to be i don't want to be that artist and then how many artists are out there that nobody knows about that are making brilliant brilliant work right um 
just feel like I, I honestly, Chris, I don't know what success is. I, I'm hoping that my skill set as, as an artist, builder, maker affords me the chance to do what I love to do in a way where I'm not having to hustle every day to make, you know, to make enough scratch to get by, you know, pay my mortgage and all that. Right. Yeah. I'm hoping that, you know, I can contribute to to this world we're existing at this time in a meaningful enough way that people are like, yeah, listen, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll, ex- I'll give you this money in exchange for this thing that you made because I want this to be a part of my life, you know, right? which, you know, that's your basic, you know, commodity, but that's what I'm, what I'm hoping that's to right now success, but shit, I don't know. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think we're always redefining that, but I I think it's, it's kind of almost, uh, kind of, a a nice kind of realization when you're not just chasing this, this thing, uh, that becomes almost like unattainable for, I think 99.999, you know, percent of artists. And you start realizing what's important to you instead of, you know, your, your kind of limited view about what, what that has to look like you know, to, for you to be part of the conversation or for you to be quote unquote making it. And so uh, I, right. I always get interested in like, what are kind of the important points in someone's life that has led to them to being an artist and some of the themes that you kind of talked about? You know, when I was, when I was a kid, as, as soon as I started writing, I started drawing, right? And my parents always supported that. And, it, you know, and I, I loved it. So I tried to get better. And then when I was at school, Right. When I was a little kid, you know, my teachers and my peers would tell me I was good. So I'd work harder at it. Um, And, you know, it it was funny, even like even the kids that they they I guess. Well, first of all, I I think I made a decision to become an artist at a very early age. Um, Oh, it's interesting. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a pilot. Right. I was like, I want to be a pilot. I was really into World War Two and flying machines. And like, I really wanted to be a pilot. It was in third grade. I was like, you know something, I think I want to fly as a hobby, but I really want to be an artist. And from that point on, all my decisions always were in the pursuit of somehow benefiting that 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 direction in my life as, as an artist. Um, so the jobs that I got somehow supported supported me. Like if I didn't have money, at least I was working in a restaurant so I could feed myself. Or you know, I like I wanted to new, learn a new technique that maybe I didn't um, have access to when I was in school. So, you know, started soap screening and, you know, like like stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, you know, I grew up in uh, like the house I grew up in. It was it was it was tough. So it was a way of coping with the environment that I was brought up in. Um, and I think that that's the way it is for a lot of a lot of artists. Right. It's a coping mechanism. Um What's been what's been interesting is like if you look at it, you know, like you look at the pandemic now, it's like that was a really, really stressful event for the world. Right. And it's like you, you've got to wash your groceries. You can't bring them inside. You know, everybody's wearing masks. Like it was really intense because we didn't know anything about it. And that's when I dive back into the studio. Right. But it's like, oh, I'm, I'm super comfortable in this environment. Right. We're on, like the world is under duress and I've got this thing. It's like, all right, great. And so it was, a, it's a means of coping with whatever that's with that that's out there. Um, and and I, th- I think that also a little bit of it is like, you know, on my part, I know it's a showboating. It's like to gain some recognition. Biologically speaking, I think it's really fascinating. Like I think that artists, I mean, like successful artists, whether you're a musician or, you know, you're, 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 you're a painter, whatever. It's like, we do it to attract mates, right? That's, I mean, that's what we do. I think that musicians are better at it than painters, but, um, you know, so there is, there's this other prerogative that's out there and I, I, it's, I I don't know, it's, it's kind of hard to deny that there's these things that are happening, even though maybe not, not in a conscious way, but in a subconscious way, it's there. Right. Yeah. So if you if you're a musician, what kind of music would you be uh, making to help uh, woo those uh, those potentials? 
I should if I know. <laughs> it's probably good that I'm not a musician. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, I can't keep tempo or beat, and you know, like that. that I'm just that's too much for me. Well, I'm sure you could rock like the harmonica or something, or you know, Will yeah, Ferrell yeah. with his well, cowbell. Dude, I'll tell you what. When, like when I was in in high school, I was in marching band. And oh yeah, I played. I was in percussion, right? And I was, I was playing. I, I had to play the drums, but I could never, I could never keep the beat. Like it would always fluctuate. So they put me on the triangle. I was on a fucking triangle for marching band. It's like I'm never playing music again. Screw that. So <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine you, like you know, just trying to like remix it or switch it up with the uh, the triangle there and and sing nah, like nah, what? Nah. <laughs> this this what? is how it went. What kind of impact you could make? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, ding, one, two, three, four, four, one, two, three, four, ding. It's like, I'm out, man. Like, no way. <laughs> what about that pilot thing again? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, you know, right, so, exactly. I mean, so obviously that was the thing that was like, you were like, fuck off music. So what was, uh, are there some moments that you can think about that almost uh, put an end to your artist career or you? At no, least made you kind of no, stop no. and think about it. No, not no, absolutely not. Because I think that I think that this is just a, a means in which I maneuver through this 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 space that I exist in. Right. Um, I do think, like you know, in terms of like say the art world and the idea that we're making a commodity to be sold and all that. Yeah, definitely. It's like screw that. I don't want to do that stuff anymore. I do, but I don't. Like I can let that. Yeah, go. yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah. But regardless of that world, it's a weird balance. Yeah. Regardless, like I, my dad was a tinkerer. My, my grandfather was, you know, he was an engineer at Cornell. Like I come from a family of builders. It is in my blood. I, I can't avoid it. Like it is how I function. So there's no way I could not do this. There's no way I like, I, 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 I can't even, I can't even wrap my brain around that thought. Are there things that you hate about being an artist? Um, yeah, being poor. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's you know, it's funny. I can't say that I hate it, but I can say it's frustrating. Like, you know, I think that in I know that this is a cliche, but I do think that there's a certain truth to it, right? You know, artists see the world differently. I used to hate it when non-artists would say that. I was like shut up you're an idiot but indeed i do think that artists think about and and interact with the world in a very different way than non-artists yeah and and i think what's frustrating about being an artist is trying to hold the conversation about this thing that you know like i've committed my life to right that's it's what I eat and breathe. And then trying to talk to somebody that that you know could give two shits about it is it's like, how can you not be fascinated by this stuff? You know, and like I get it. Like I can understand why they're not. You know, I think that I think that you know art history would would you know answer that, right? It's become so over intellectualized, you know, since the modernist era that there's a disconnect between are in artists and the rest of the world. Does it have to be that way? No. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's why Thomas Kincaid is, you know, so successful, right? He brings art back to the masses, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is also frustrating. Right? So just getting back to that original question. So just being kind of an outsider or thinking differently about the world. I don't know if that's something I would necessarily that I say that I hate. I would probably say that I probably love that about being an artist, but do, do you feel like, you know, that's a hindrance on just like living a quote unquote normal life or a happier life. No, 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 no. I, I don't okay. think it's a hindrance on that at all. But I guess what it is too, Chris, is that, you know, if like art is art is supposed to like the function of art in the world is to challenge our understandings of what we believe, period. Right. That's that's the, the perceptual shift. But people don't even want to be engaged in that. And it's like that's that's frustrating but you know it's like okay whatever that's just the way the world is um so okay that's fine and you know that that can't that can't have a, an effect on like oh, okay well 
um, then I'm only going to make work. Because I, I remember having these conversations with my dad, right? If my dad liked my work, then I knew I was doing something wrong, right? Because he was always he was always saying stuff to me when I was younger. It's like, why can't you make something that I understand? And I'm like, what don't you understand about, you know, a head or a plate or the woods or a fire? It was just a combination of the things. And why does the question always come out in that format? Why can't you... Like what's right, stopping right. you? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, because I'm your little paint monkey and I'm here to make you happy and, and make things believable for you. It's like, eh, that's not the way it works. And you have to work now. I've already done the work. I've got, I've arrived at this place already. Now it's your turn. But so what's whatever, been the you know? hardest, uh, so what's been the hardest critique or at least one that's kind of stuck with you the longest about your work? Um, I, that's a good question, Chris. I don't know. Maybe I need to have more critiques. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I, like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to answer that question because I mean, think about, think about it. All right. Well, one of the, one of the, one of the realizations that I've had years ago was that whether people like or don't like your work is irrelevant. Right. It has no bearing on the actual work. All they're doing is establishing their relationship to the thing. It doesn't mean that the thing is good or bad. Mm -hmm. Right. The thing exists. Right. And so it's like it's, you know, it's like the, it's an issue that I also have, like this idea of Plato. Right. And, you know, this world is uh, is, a, is a, a reflection of you know, the unknown, right? The, the place up there. So this is an imitation of, of the real. It's like bullshit, you know? This, this imitation is just as real as the thing that it's imitating, right? It's like a scarlet snake versus a coral snake, right? The coral snake is dangerous and poisonous and you can die. But the scarlet snake looks has the same coloring, but the stripes are in a different order. But that's what scares away any potential uh, predators. Well, guess what? Both of them are equally valid. Now, if you're comparing the two, it's true that the, the coral snake is real and the scarlet snake is an imitator. But that's the, whether it's imitating or not is irrelevant, right? So, you know, in terms of critiques, I don't know. I mean, there's going to be people that like the work and there's people that don't like to work. What am I going to do about it? You know, it is mm -hmm. the work is it just is. Well, I, I think my question is just, you know, especially for artists out there who hear something that might make them second guess themselves in the studio. Is there anything like that that you've heard that like you're like, oh, no, I, can't. No, dude, I, nah. I, I don't need I don't need anybody to help me second guess myself. I do that all <laughs> the time. I mean, seriously, like like I said earlier, like. I don't know whether this shit that I'm working on is good or bad. I think that, you know, in terms of how we learn to understand what is good as a, you know, when it comes to a visual experience that's provided by a painting, I think that these hit all the composition, color, light, like all that kind of crap that, that we, we learn about or we teach, you know, it does all that. That doesn't mean it's good, right? Like a pretty girl is a pretty girl is a pretty girl. So what? Who cares? Right? Does it have brains? Does she have brains? That's another thing. It's like it changes your relationship to the thing. Um, like these could be completely vapid. I don't know. I think that they're interesting for me, right? They keep me engaged enough to to make them. But whether anybody else, like, I don't know. I don't know. And, Will it be uh, around? I don't know. And so. Given everything that you're thinking about these days, is there any advice you would give to your younger self to help your career? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, shit. That is a great question, Chris. Uh, you know. <laughs> or any guess, advice you would stop giving yourself. <laughs> well, you know, so it, it's interesting. It's, I, it's a really, it is a good question. Um it reminds me of my senior year undergrad school. And I had this professor, this guy was God to me, right? This guy, Henry Raleigh. Um, 
you know, here's a guy that he fought in the Korean War. He was 65 at the time. He's, you know, he'd been married and divorced numerous times. His wife was this hot 32-year-old. He had a five-year-old kid. I mean, this guy was all, and he was, he got a degree in psychology and he wrote, wrote tarot or read um, tarot cards. And he was the biggest cynic you've ever met. Like this guy was, he was, he was amazing to me. And I remember him telling me when, it, when we were like seniors, he's like, listen, when you guys get done, you need to go down to New York, you know? And then like, I went to school in, in New Paltz, New York, right? Which was like an hour from the city. He's like, go to New York because if you can make it in New York, you can make it any place in the world. And at that moment, I was like, I will never go to New York. I'm going to go every place else and it's going to take me to New York, right? Because that was the cultural center of the world at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably should have gone to New York. <laughs> 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 uh, but, you know, whatever. Like, I don't know. I mean, I I don't regret the past that I've taken. Like, it's my past. So, and it's it's what I've done. So, great. Here I am. You know, um, yeah. Could I have done other things to be more successful monetarily as an artist? Yeah, like going to New York could be one of those things. Um, but no, nah, I don't know. I like I. That's a big question. That's a really big question. Yeah. We all have these questions. We all have these uncertainties, as you said. Right. I don't need anybody helping me second guess myself in the studio. I, I just I think that. The reason for this podcast is just to kind of identify yeah, well, with other artists a little bit about yeah. those uh, second guesses, uh, those uncertainties, and the fact that how even with all the years of training and everything, I still feel, of course, like I'm learning every day that I know just such a fraction of things right. and always reevaluating success or how to right. you know make that success or anything there without the compromise of like what I want to do in the studio. And I think that those are just common questions that uh, oh, yeah. I would imagine most artists are thinking about or for the few who have just kind of made their decision on what those answers are, but that just continues to evolve for me. Yeah, um, yeah it evolves for me too. I think, I think, you know, the idea of success is such an elusive word because, you know, I, I remember having people ask me that in the past, right? And it's like, well, like, how are, how, like, how do you, how can you define success? There's monetary success, but then you, you have to cater to, you know, the, the masses and whatever their, their taste is at the time. Like, I don't want to do that. Um, you know, is it a matter of being in the history books? Well, maybe, um, I still kind of wish that I could do that, but you know, the likelihood of that happening, if, I, if I'm realistic about it with myself, that's not going to happen. It's like, okay, whatever. Um, what other kind of successes are there? Um, you know, this, this ability to continue to grow and evolve in terms of, of thinking and how you see the world. Yeah. I, you know, if that's a way of succeeding, I guess I think I'm doing that. Um, but you know, dude, I don't know. And I, I think it's going to obviously, you know, as as you do more podcasts, right, and you interview more artists, I think that the way that they define it is going to be, you know, very clear for them uh, on their past, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, shit, if I know, though. Well, I, I'm the, the <laughs> I want to leave it at that, that with, the, with the questions. Um, I also, you know, want to keep this a little bit more fun as well, too, and not just so yeah, serious. Yeah, sure. So uh, I've got a couple of like just kind of lightning round style questions I thought would be fun to kind of end with before uh, <laughs> signing off. So uh, what's your favorite color? <laughs> yes. What is your favorite color? No, I a, a little bit more fun, but let's go ahead and start off with something like this. So if your last artwork had a flavor, what would that be? <laughs> Chocolate covered Brussels sprouts. Oh, <laughs> so good. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, with sprinkled pop rocks. Okay. Or, or actually, whatever those skit, wherever those, if there's any skittles left over that Bernard was uh, having fun with, <laughs> it'd be that. <laughs> uh, what company organization would you like to sponsor your work? Ooh. Mm, wow, skittles. <laughs> no. <laughs> why, it's why a does good it theme. Coming back to that? Yeah. I, dude, oh man. Uh, we have to come Skittles back. Skittles is not a bad one. I, I want to put that out there. I mean, it, it, it kind of does. 
But it, it's got to be something that's explosive, though, too. Like, it's got to uh, have some kind of, like, bang to it. Like, you know, maybe Skittle-flavored uh, Pop Rocks. Okay. Yeah. Still, yeah. still kids yeah. and candy, right? Yeah. I'm sure that they are the same company. It feels like all of those candy bars are made by the same person to me. Probably. So, uh, if people ever protested your exhibition or your work, what would it be about? <laughs> The color. <laughs> I mean, I would. Good lord, my. Excuse me. Just a second, Chris. All right. Yeah. Just eat one skill at a time, Mike. That's. Yeah. No. Actually, I'm eating. Uh, I'm eating uh, um, graham crackers. Uh, if, if I think that these these paintings will give your eyes cavities, so it'll be the you know the American dead association will would protest these things yeah or, the, the or something like that something obstetricians like that, and dentists would just come together to fight yeah. you yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is this guy doing all right and uh as someone who is a fashionista with socks what pair of socks are you wearing right now uh dude <laughs> makes me want to swear right now so i'm wearing my slip-on bands that happen to have some squirrels on them and the socks i'm wearing have squirrels on them okay so I'm you're squirreled squirrel up socks. Yeah. Uh, i am i am and uh lastly uh who do you think we should have on the podcast next and why Ooh, ooh there's so many people man i don't know what kind of caliber are you going with Anybody who's going to say yes, that my oh, bar is uh, that high. Oh, man. There's so, dude, there's so many people. Yeah. Can I give you a list? Go for it. And it, it, it could be, I, I, I think it could be people that, you know, you're familiar with too. Like, I think that Emily Evelis would be amazing. I uh -huh. think that Adrenaline would be great. I think that, so there was a, did you ever work with Maggie Ellis? Yeah, she went up to Hunter. Yeah, dude, she's blowing up right now. She's doing great. And she's showing with some other, like this guy, uh, Daniel Davidson, who's amazing. Mm -hmm. Like they just did a show together at a place called The Catskills. Uh, great show. Um, I, I, I'd seriously reach out to them. Um, oh, gosh. <clears throat> you know, uh, did you ever work with um, Eric, 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 Eric? Ah, uh, uh, crap. What is his last name? He was a student, grad student. He's out in LA right now. He's 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 starting to do really well. Uh, not Hitchcock, Hancock, Eric Hancock. Um, he might be a good one to reach out to. And same with a this kid Trey Burns, who started this place called Sweet uh, Sweet Pass Sculpture Park down in Dallas. Mm -hmm. He's he's a really so he was a grad student in the painting department too. And he's really interesting because he's like. He's into music, poetry, sculpture, painting. Like, he's into everything. He's awesome. He's really awesome. Um, I think those guys would be fantastic to reach out to. Yeah. All right. Well, I've written them down. I want to say thank you very much, Mike, for giving your time, your insight, and cursing nonstop, and your support for Skittles. Hey, man, I, I'm sorry I swore so much. Hopefully, your your listeners are okay with that. Um, I hope it doesn't so bad, do but I like how like after like three or four, you're just like, oh, I probably shouldn't say this. And <laughs> we're too deep in, man. Yeah, but dude, you know, I'm so comfortable with you, Chris. Like, it's a way of showing my love and appreciation towards somebody. Oh well, I I greatly appreciate that, man. Thank you so much for your time. All right, thanks, Chris. I appreciate it.